0: You're listening to 91.7 FM WSUW in Whitewater, Wisconsin. Let me spin you a tale. Imagine a country so vast it covers 12 different time zones. A country rich in oil, gas, and timber. Yet a country that imports everything else, including gasoline. A country where value of money depends on the price of a barrel of oil. A country ruled by a security agency, where those objecting gets into prison, shut, and poisoned. A country where TV battles the refrigerator. A country where people can't decide what is worse, to stay silent or to speak up a country where George Orwell's 1984 is a bestseller. Now imagine you live there. You're listening to Rashkin Report. You're listening to WSUW 91.7 FM, The Edge in Whitewater, Wisconsin. This is Yuri Rashkin, and uh, you're listening to Rashkin Report. I'm excited to welcome back to the program Slava Rabinovich, who are our uh, on-site expert of all things Russian, uh, speaking to us from Moscow, Russia. Slava, welcome back to the program.
1: Oh, thank you, Yuri. Let's be back. We have
0: uh, an exciting development, uh, I, you, as everybody in the world, I think, knows by now. Uh, Donald Trump uh, got elected to, to be President of the United States. Granted, we, you know, it's uh, not officially sealed by the Electoral College, but all signs point that uh, Donald Trump is going to be the 45th President of the United States. Um, I think just as many people as know about this are probably, many people are surprised by this development, but you seem rather optimistic about what this may mean for Russia and for the world. Can you elaborate on uh, how you feel Trump administration is going to have uh, what the relationship is going to have with Putin and with Putin's Russia and why you're optimistic?
1: Well, Yuri, you're uh, uh, putting the word optimistic uh, into a context should be really clarified what context it is. Uh, whatever is good for Russia uh, means in my mind, uh, being bad for Putin and Vice versa. So unlike uh, some of the Russian um propaganda and uh, uh various state uh, functionaries who um work for Putin, I do not associate Putin with Russia and I do not subscribe to their statement that Putin is Russia and Russia is Putin. Therefore, the faster Putin goes, the better it will be for Russia and for the Russian people. Um, it was a premise all along for uh, so many months that uh, in the Kremlin's mind, the, uh, a possible election of Donald Trump uh, would be good for Putin and for the Putin's regime. Uh, I was of a different view. And I'm more so of a different view after uh, Trump's unexpected victory. You can um, analyze this by um, actually looking at who is going to be in the U.S. presidential administration, who Trump is going to nominate for key posts uh, in the government, who will be the Secretary of State, um, who um, will uh, work as presidential advisors, and um, any, anywhere you look, you will uh, see various names with a long track record of uh, opposing the, uh, Putin's regime one way or another. So um, all of these... So-called optimism regarding Trump's election being favorable for uh, Putin and his regime is just a bunch of uh, BS. That uh, I uh, don't think we should, you know, waste too much time on discussing this. Kremlin is full of incompetent, incompetent, stupid people not talking about their being criminals and, and murderers. So um, just the overall incompetence and inability to analyze pretty simple things is uh, how the Kremlin operates. All right.
0: <clears throat> I, I should correct myself then. Then, when you spoke, uh, when when I uh, spoke of your optimism, uh, I did take into consideration the the uh, the adjustment for the fact that um, you are a, a strong critic of Putin's regime, and therefore, if you are optimistic about something, then that means that this is something that is not good for Putin's regime. And uh, uh, what we've uh, heard is is kind of a changing dynamic, but. This is uh, kind of uh, not that unusual because everybody's in a little bit of a shock and trying to figure out what is going to happen next. Uh, There is word that maybe uh, uh, policy towards Russia is going to remain um, uh, not as friendly as Trump has indicated during his campaign, but might actually take a very harsh turn. um, and, And would you welcome that?
1: Well, in um, uh, 1980, the Soviet Politburo were uh, very happy uh, and dancing um, and uh, applauding and clapping hands for um, uh, the fact that uh, uh, Ronald Reagan, a Republican candidate, defeated uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, a Democrat, Um, and uh, they thought that it's going to um, be very good for their regime and for the Soviet Union. Remember that they invaded Afghanistan in 1979, and Jimmy Carter uh, banned uh, U.S. sportsmen um, and and the members of the Olympic team from going to Moscow uh, uh, from participation in the Summer Olympics of 1980 in Moscow, and uh, <clears throat> the Politburos were thinking to themselves, "Okay, this um, uh, democratic uh, uh, president Carter is is now gone. Um, he was the one who uh, created all this uh, international boycott of our Olympic games. Now we have uh, we're going to have a different." Uh, president in the U.S. who is going to cooperate with us. We all know what happened next. In 1987, Ronald Reagan had this historical speech at the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin, just next to Berlin Wall, uh, where he uh, said his historical words, uh, General Secretary Gorbachev, um, if you really um, um, want what you say, a change, please come here uh, to Berlin. Open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Um, in uh, Just around this time, um, there were significant changes in, in the USSR taking place. In um, uh, two years um, after this speech uh, of Reagan in Berlin, the Berlin, Wall, uh, Berlin uh, the Berlin Wall came down. And only two years after that, the whole Soviet Union collapsed. And and Politburo still uh, was clapping hands in 1980. It it is possible that... um, I'm not saying something like that will happen now, but I'm just saying that these people are not smarter than, than the Politburo then, these people in the Kremlin. They're as stupid. And in fact they are, most of them are uh, KGB officers of the Brezhnev's time. Putin and Patroshev and uh, his uh, uh, comrades in in arms from the KGB are all Brezhnev's um, uh, low-ranking officers who studied in the higher KGB school in 1975. So what can you expect from these people? So it sounds to um, me like
0: you're expecting a more traditional Republican approach out of Trump administration. And, you know, just to clarify, uh, the, the other point that I think you, you're, does such an elaborate and good and great detailed job of, you know, the, I haven't heard, uh, Ronald Reagan quoted quite this extensively, uh, off from memory in the past. Usually people just remember tear down the wall, but you're right. There was so there was a little bit more that he like said it was very important. Um, but, um, do you feel that, uh, well, Democrats seem to be not getting along well with Russian leadership historically because Democrats tend to be more concerned about human rights and those kinds of messy things that get in the way of KGB doing whatever they want to do? Uh, but at the same time, Republicans have a tendency to spend more money, and especially on the industrial, military-industrial complex, which needs to have some kind of target, and Russia is a very, you know, it's a perfect target right now. So don't they understand this in Kremlin?
1: Um, you're, sorry, you were breaking up at some point, but uh, I, I think I heard your question. Um, I... Uh, I I think that on average, indeed, um, um, there were occasionally, uh, on average, uh, democratic uh, administrations were not um, that cooperative with Russia. But uh, but this is not a rule of thumb over the long period of of time. If you if you take it and analyze it, um, the relationship. Uh, during the Clinton administration, was uh, quite good. Uh, And uh, uh, it um, mostly depends on the, um, you know, what's happening in Russia and in the Kremlin over uh, medium to long term during those kind of periods. Uh, So um, I I think that we should not... um, Emphasize uh, in the analysis who is really in charge in Washington uh, at the moment, whether uh, a Repub- uh, Republicans or Democrats. I think that uh, just Russia entered into a, a, a tailspin stage of uh, the whole country development where it will be. Um, A uh, um, axis of evil uh, for any kind of administration in the US now Trump has
0: said that he was looking forward to having friendly relations with Russia and a lot of Americans are looking at this and saying well what's what is so bad about being on friendly terms with with anybody Um, and uh, you know that not necessarily is a perspective that I would suspect you subscribe to
1: He said uh, a lot of uh, different things. He said many things. He also said, uh, while being asked what he would do if uh, Russian military planes um, would uh, uh, repeat such maneuvers over U.S. warships um, almost uh, at uh, a razor-thin distance from Um, antennas, uh, and so on and so forth. And he said that he would have uh, shot down that Russian plane. Um, uh, There there is nothing bad uh, about a good relationship between the U.S. and Russia uh, in general. But um, in terms of what's happening in Russia uh, and how Russia behaves um, in in terms of uh, its relationships around the world and what it, what Russia does to various countries is going to be inconsistent with the uh, um, level of tolerance of any type of the U.S. administration. And um, uh, in addition, you, I don't have to tell you or, or your listeners that, uh, how... Obama's administration uh, was uh, withdrawing the United States from almost all um, places of conflict around the world. This was a major withdrawal of the U.S. from just about everywhere. And in fact, uh, we now all know that it uh, uh, became a very significant factor of destabilization around the globe, Uh, destabilization in um, various political systems around the world, Uh, destabilization caused by Russia and by similar rogue regimes. Um, uh, The world is changing rapidly because uh, the Obama administration put brakes on the U.S. uh, status of being a world policeman. And I don't think that um, we can accuse future actions of uh, President-elect Trump um, of pursuing the same kind of strategy in a much bigger way versus uh, what Obama has already done and uh, uh i think that uh, the um, the future trump administration will um be of uh, significantly different view on many many uh issues around the globe and in particular um russian aggression uh, around its neighbors um, and uh, not only not only neighbors, as we know that Russia undertook ser- serious uh, attacks versus the United States in the cyber uh, espionage and, uh, and cyber security areas, trying to even uh, to, uh, kind of participate in such a um, weird way in the U.S. Uh, uh, election process which is completely unacceptable for the U.S. as, as, as the state. Um, so I don't think that uh, Trump is going to just uh, sit back and uh, enjoy the ride in the international politics like uh, Obama was doing.
0: So you expect a, a more active uh, foreign policy from the United States than perhaps the world has seen over the last eight years, and you consider that to be a good development?
1: Yes, uh, but it also may be in somewhat different uh, manner. Uh, it could be that Trump will um, uh, de- decrease somewhat uh, the uh, uh, the value uh, the value of NATO being a world policeman and increase the U.S. Being a world policeman, unless and until he makes other countries to pay up in terms of their share of financing uh, their NATO participation, but one way or another, um, even if uh, policies are adjusted somehow um, in the view or in the view of uh, uh, Donald Trump that the new policies should be more, um, in the, you know, line in the interests of the U S it doesn't mean that, uh, U S foreign policy will be as relaxed or even more relaxed, um, uh, uh, as uh, the Obama's uh, one. So I think that he will be much more active and, uh, uh again, just looking at who is going to be in obama's administration uh looking at all these candidates
0: you mean just, trump's administration yeah uh,
1: sorry in uh, trump's administration right it is just impossible to imagine that uh these people uh separately and collectively are not going to confront. Putin's
0: rogue regime. Well, Slava, then perhaps last question on uh, what we can expect uh, from Trump administration in these early days following the election and relationship between the United States and Russia. How effective do you think this change in policy will be in at least containing, if not pushing back, the aggression that comes from Putin's regime currently?
1: Um. It is extremely difficult to predict or draw any scenarios uh, on the effectiveness and on uh, timelines and so on because there are so many moving parts in relation to um, the possible and potential longevity of the current Putin's regime. The uh, Russian economy is uh, uh, really damaged, but... It is damaged not only by sanctions, but uh, but it it is more damaged by um, many other factors, uh, or, and the uh, uh, the biggest overriding one is that Putin destroyed capitalism in Russia, and he built a bandit neo feudalism. Um, uh, the absence of capitalism and uh, Um, The current regime of neo-feudalism cannot support any type of economic activity or economic development. And the economy um, in Russia will be destroyed completely. We just don't know the timing and the exact scenario how this is going to unfold
0: so regardless of American policy uh, Russia as you said has entered a tailspin and uh, it doesn't it may not matter whether Trump is more active internationally than Obama was uh, in accomplishing the goal of uh, taking the Russian threat out of the world equation
1: yes and again I will repeat there are so many moving parts even even if the uh, Russian economy in a tailspin and blowing up completely or uh, one day or in a series of several blow-ups hitting a concrete wall, we just don't know what will happen next because uh, Putin also uh, destroyed um, many other things. He destroyed um, a separation of power uh, between the court system and um, the legislature and and the executive power. He he destroyed all those branches of power altogether. He is not really a president um, so the executive power is also destroyed. He's not really a president. He was not elected in a legitimate way. There is no legitimacy to his uh, so-called third term, which is not allowed by the constitution. Um, he is a, um, a violating constitution. Although he is a so-called guarantor of the constitution, as it is written in the constitution, that the president should be a guarantor of the constitution. He is a um, a, um, a a state um, uh, and an international criminal. And a war criminal. So th- there is no presidency in Russia, uh, uh, and he also destroyed two other very important things. He destroyed the institution of free, fair, and democratic elections, and he destroyed the institution of um, uh, change um, uh, in the power in in the executive power and and. Uh, Uh, any type of a political change in Russia. And uh, because of all these factors, it is impossible to predict what would happen because we just don't know how this can be changed. And and, uh, even if the economy is completely destroyed and and it it hit the brick wall and blew up, uh, and the banking system is not operating, um, a critical mass of um, uh, uh, the critical number of the Russian companies went bankrupt. Uh, people are out of job. Uh, they don't, uh, you know, there are not 20 20 percent of the Russian population living um, uh, under the, um, the 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 poverty line. But um, let's say 60 percent. Uh, we just don't know what the regime will do. It may well go into a complete overdrive in terms of the repression um, in uh, internally, and in terms of the aggression externally. Um, it uh, may be, be very dangerous. We, we're living in the uh, in the time when it has never happened in in the, in the history of mankind that this kind of mafia took over the state, and the state became the mafia. And in addition to that, this mafia state uh, took possession of the, uh, one of the two largest nuclear ar- arsenals in the world. So, we have no idea how it's going to unfold. But I don't think that that uh, the status quo in terms of how it looks like now internally and externally uh, in terms of Russia that this is going to be for much longer because the economic um, uh, uh, very, very rapid deterioration is not going to... Um, let the status quo to continue for uh, a very long time.
0: You're listening to WSUW ninety one point seven FM, The Edge in Whitewater, Wisconsin. This is Rashkin Report, and I'm your host Yuri Rashkin. Uh, we are speaking with uh, Slava Rubinovich, uh, straight from Moscow. A very popular blogger with over a hundred thousand subscribers, a news analyst, a hedge fund manager, and uh, an opinion a man of strong opinions. Uh, Slava, shifting the conversation to what's going on in Russia. It seems then in the last uh, few days, really, it became clear that perhaps Mr. Putin isn't really running the country quite as much as we all maybe thought. Uh, It turns out that, uh, you know, the leader or the manager or CEO of uh, the the big oil company, Ross Neft, if I'm not mistaken, Igor Sechin, is actually perhaps uh, in, in charge of the country as he gets to determine who is going to be arrested and prosecuted, including most recently uh, Putin's minister, secretary of economic development, who was just sacked. Um, how much of a shock and what kind of repercussions can this development have on uh, internal and external politics?
1: This um, indeed produced a pronounced shock among the so-called systemic uh, liberals, uh, but it's no shock to me. And also, um, I, in your words, Yuri, I hear uh, some of the mainstream opinions that you obviously read in um, the press about it, and I'm of a slightly different opinion. Um, Sitchin, the president of Rosneft, is not the most powerful man in Russia as some um, now he, uh, describe him, in terms of being even more important than Putin and being able to do what you just described he did. And um, I think that uh, if you look through um, two respective biographies of Putin and Sechin, um going, going back, uh, uh, you know, 25 years and consider that Putin was carrying a briefcase of former mayor of St. Petersburg, Anatoly Sobchak, um, then Sechin, at the same time, was carrying the briefcase of Putin. And I, I, and I don't think that these roles ever changed. Um, Putin in charge Sechin in 2003 to destroy Yukos and put Khodorkovsky away in jail. Um, and it was Putin's um, plan. Uh, which was executed and carried out by Sechin. As a reward, Sechin got Rosneft into, in in, in, in his hands, um, and Rosneft, as uh, we know, uh, was the biggest beneficiary of uh, the criminal dismantling of Yukos. And um, Shareholders of Yukos were all ripped off. Um, The the $40 billion of the uh, entire market capitalization of Yukos evaporated um, via absolutely criminal court decisions. Yukos was bankrupted and uh, the most... um, Valuable pieces of Yukos were then laundered through an intermediary company called Baikal Finance Group into Rosneft. Uh, The existence of Baikal Finance Group and how um, it was used as as an intermediary company and who was the beneficiary of huge um, cash that... uh, uh, accumulated uh, after all these transactions and, and where this cash went and we may someday find out when Putin uh, is actually um, on a bench in court uh, after his regime is gone and he is arrested and prosecuted but that was Putin as a master minder uh, as, a, as the mastermind of that and Sichin was again um, executing the plan, and then Sichin got this job of being the president of um, Rosneft. He got fifty million dollars, and again I repeated, it, 50 not fifteen, not one five, five zero fifty million dollars, as an annual fixed salary as an annual guaranteed salary in this position of the president of Rosneft. That was back in 2005, I believe. And now, more than 10 years later, he received uh, half a billion dollars in just guaranteed annual salary. And this is not uh, talking about all this money that is being actually stolen from this company. Now, who is the beneficiary of how the money is being stolen and how the assets are accumulated in Rosnets? I don't think that Sechin is the main beneficiary. It's Putin, his boss. And uh, um, the entire um, pre-story before the Minister of Economics was sacked and uh, actually arrested the entire prequel to that was the story of privatization, uh, quote-unquote privatization, of another oil company, which is called Bashneft, which is now um, bought, being bought by Rosneft, And this is, again, a so-called privatization, quote-unquote, of a company by another state-owned company. This is so ridiculous that your listeners in, in America probably won't even understand what I'm talking about. But, but this is true. This is how the Putin-style privatization works. Barshnevts well, was nationalized and was stolen from Mr. Yevtushenkov, uh, who owns the company called Sistema. This is a London Stock Exchange-listed company. The Barshnev was nationalized and taken away from Sistema. Uh, and after being nationalized in, in such a criminal way, it's being so called privatized via a purchase of, by another state owned company. And um, Economics Minister Lukhaev was just too vocal. Um, uh, in his criticism of one state-owned company buying another state-owned company and calling this uh, privatization. But we all know why it's being done, how it is being done, who is going to be the beneficiary of this. And we all know, or not all, but I know that Putin is the principal and Sechin is just the executor of this, probably receiving some type of a so-called performance fee or a carried interest in these types of transactions, including this one. Oh, so wow. when, when, when what you're saying, you know, how this story was unfolding a couple of days ago, uh, including the, uh, you know, the use of uh, uh, s- security services in Russia and FSB and, and so on and so forth, and how an organized this, of course he organized this because Putin is the one who is the masterminder of this. All right,
0: Slava, then, in that, well, I guess first I want to clarify for our listeners that the word NIFT that we keep hearing, Rosneft, Bashneft, neft means oil. So we have all these oil companies that are consuming and privatizing each other, and uh, we've seen something similar after two thousand. Eight crash uh, with banks where money was given to banks in the United States and they used it to buy up each other um, but here we have it on a much more criminal scheme level where uh, we have a number of criminal organizations that are basically absorbing each other as fast as they can because the amount of the economic pie continues to shrink. So do you look at this, Slava, and and uh, let's say Putin is indeed in charge, as, as you claim, and, and I really have no reason to argue uh, because you have a much better grasp on the situation than a lot of the people. <clears throat> do you feel then we are looking at uh, a new a repress a regime of repressions where people are going to magically disappear in the middle of the night like was happening in Stalin's time is this uh something that in Russia is called cleansing of elites um what what is this just a redivision constant redivision of the ever shrinking pie until um somebody is you know alone uh, the perhaps mr sechin perhaps somebody else remains the sole winner of the entire pie, together with Mr. Putin, and and then what?
1: I have no idea, Yuri. And neither um, do you or anybody else. Because I just said that Putin destroyed all types of institutions, um, making um, Russia a state. Uh, uh, I mean, those institutions, as uh, written in the Constitution... Um, used to make a Russia a state. Now it's not a state. It's just a banana republic with no bananas. It it, it, it is a. Um, it's not. You cannot even call it a rogue state. Um, um, it, you can call it a mafia state uh, with uh, uh, headed by war criminals, uh, state criminals. Um, murderers, uh, thieves who took possession of nuclear weapons. And uh, uh, I, when you're asking whether people can disappear uh, at night like in 1937, well, the Minister of Economics just disappeared at night um, until, uh, and nobody knew uh, his uh, whereabouts until um, the uh, Um, investigative committee officially announced uh, that he was arrested. And uh, uh, that happened uh, in the middle of the night. And uh, um, we all kind of tried to recollect when was the last time when the acting minister of the Russian or the Soviet government was arrested um, in his job. And we figured out, in fact, when uh, it last happened. Do, do you, by the way, know the answer to this I question? do
0: not know the answer to this trivia, no. Uh,
1: 1953, um, Beria, so, under Stalin.
0: So this is a chief of uh, security or national security, however, or KGB, in, under Stalin, uh, who quite possibly is responsible for Stalin's death and was hoping to take over, didn't happen, and he was sacked himself and executed almost immediately. And then since then, that was kind of the the end of Stalin's times in in some way.
1: Exactly. And then after and, and,
0: that, that's been 60 years of uh, no ministers or secretaries of anything being arrested while still employed by the state.
1: That's correct. Interesting. The, 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 this is an extraordinary event. I mean, many people don't realize.
0: Absolutely. Slava, um, the, I guess the last question or the area that I'd like to cover with you, are, you know, in, in this conversation is we, we're speaking a lot about elites. We're speaking about Mr. Putin, Mr. Sechin, you know, Secretary Ulyukaev, all, all these exciting people that are, you know, we read about in newspapers. But what about regular Russian people? Uh, how are they taking all of these developments? Whether it's election of Trump, whether it's the falling the economy that's falling apart, whether it's these uh, semi, you know, mass—not quite mass, but still repressions against political um, uh, opposition. How are people responding to this?
1: Um, you see, uh, people uh, fell into a long-term trap of uh, destruction of the Russian education system, um, of the uh, complete brainwashing over uh, television throughout the last 15 to 20 years. Um, I'm not talking about the propaganda of the last two and a half years, I'm talking about Um, A complete um, uh, deterioration of uh, quality um, of the television programs over the last 15 years compared to what the television looked like in in the 90s. Um, And uh, um, then a a generation of people, and not even one generation of people, uh, grew Uh, up and not knowing any type of life uh, without Putin there are uh, now people who are uh, 20 years old and they do not remember anybody but Putin and there are also people who are 10 years old and uh, uh, they live under Putin Um, and um, uh, the Um, experiment that um, was undertaken uh, two and a half years ago on the um, state-owned Russian television Uh, a completely criminal um, experiment of the uh, Gebels type of propaganda um, finished off uh, the majority of the Russian population if we're talking about large numbers uh, if, if we're talking about the entire Russian population and the percentage of uh, the Russian population who is really affected by this experiment how do people so respond to the, the arrests to the arrests of whom um, of, the, of the Russian economics minister
0: Right, right. And in a sense that, um, are they saying that he stood in the way of this transaction? Are they saying that uh, he did something to anger Putin? Because clearly Putin has to be the good guy. No, no, so. but
1: but but the arrest of Lukayev was presented in a way that he was extorting a bribe from Sechin, from Rosnev for uh, his ministry. Um, giving a, um, a favorable report to the government for this so-called privatization to go ahead. And uh, it is presented that he was arrested uh, while, while taking a bribe under the surveillance of uh, the Russian Security Service, the FSB. And uh, because he is considered to be one of the so-called systemic liberals, um, the, the people at large uh, going via the prism of the Russian television propaganda, they um, are just the opposite. They they are saying, oh, Putin is great. He's fighting corruption. And, and nobody is invincible even uh, in the highest echelons of uh, the government. Look at uh, uh, what happened? The uh, the minister got sacked and arrested. It's good. Putin Putin is really fighting the corruption at last. Um, and so it is um, this propaganda, this which works in 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 both directions. Uh, one is that um, Putin is really fighting um, corruption, and on the other hand. Um, the uh, those people in the government who are still considered to be so-called systemic liberals, they their camp is being damaged and destroyed e- even further. So th- this is nothing but uh, a complete uh, surreal kind of oral type uh, situation that is typical of. Uh, everything, anywhere you look, listen, or um, or uh, otherwise analyze in Russia, it is just uh, a, a, a parallel wor- world. Uh, of you can't even describe it in in quite simple terms. Really, it, it is it is really a parallel world where there is uh, nothing but lies not a single word of truth in these so-called official versions of anything
0: well on that note um slava pleasure as always to have you on the program and uh looking forward to uh speaking with you again it's you know it's 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 <clears throat> i think we want to be hopeful but is it easy to be hopeful? I think it's a little bit difficult to be hopeful in this situation. I guess most uh, the best thing we can say is, like you said, we don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of variables, and so perhaps that's the best part about it.
1: Well, you said it well.
0: Slava thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you. You're listening to 91.7 FM, WSUW, in Whitewater, Wisconsin. You're listening to Rashkin Report.